I believe in miracles. Don't say people, I'm doing business here, man. I don't want anybody tells you words and ideas can change the world. Percent of what you're saying ain't coming out of your mouth. From failing, you learn. From success, not so much. Keep moving forward. Welcome to the Small Business Miracles Podcast. I'm Jeff Randolph. This small business podcast is brought to you by EAG Advertising and Marketing. We talk about marketing on this podcast, especially for entrepreneurs and business owners. But today is a little special. We're jumping right into the featured interview because today we're announcing something big. We've acquired Use Agility, and that gives us the ability to expand our services and research and deliver enhanced consumer insights and even better user experiences. You want to know what that means? for your business? Well, we're talking to EAG's new Director of Research and Development, Kyle Dennis. Let's get right to it. On this segment of the show, I am going to welcome Kyle Dennis. Kyle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Excellent. I'm. You are the Director of Research and Development here at EAG, and so that is a, a brand, new, brand new thing for us after mm-hmm. uh, uh, Use Agility was acquired by us. So, yeah. hey, welcome. We've We've brought you in. We've we've brought you into the fold now. I'm I'm really glad to be here. I I you all immediately struck me the first time we met as like uh, people that I you know thought thought kindly of. Hey, right, that's right away. Right all away. we could ever hope for. Yeah. That's like yeah. best case scenario for it. Yeah. Um, so uh, just to give a little bit of background and and let you talk about uh, some of the services and and what yeah. this means for clients and and the kinds of work you do really um, so that we can get a, a better handle on it. You have you have helped some amazing brands so far, like uh, AMC Theaters and American Century and the Kansas City Chamber of Commerce and Hallmark and so many uh, big names in Kansas City uh, and and beyond. Uh, it's it's about user experience. It's competitor analysis. It's it's focus groups and guerrilla research. Um, I thought let's let's talk about what it means and the kind of of pieces that you do. Um, what is it? What is it you'd say you do here? Um, that's <laughs> that's the that's the question. Yeah. So um, talk talk to me about like usability evaluation. What what are the kinds of things that we're doing to help companies in in usability evaluation? Uh, yeah, so well, I mean, usability evaluations is a good place to start, and in many ways, that's just naturally watching, you know, watching, observing, you know, in a variety of ways, people using products, services, mm-hmm. et cetera, in sort of like an uninterrupted uh, to the best to the best of our ability, right? Um, but also like testing out like specific, you know, pressure points and like trying to see. You know, if we can prove someone's hypothesis true, I, and I think that that's kind of where all usability tests start is with a mm-hmm. hypothesis. Some business person somewhere has an idea that a product is broken or something is mm-hmm. working that it is not usable. Those ideas uh, that, that something is not usable have to be proven. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so the hypothesis kind of starts with, "Hey, we think there's some friction," mm-hmm. and then the the usability test either you know attempts to prove or disprove that that true. And and if uh, and just to kind of drive it home and say, okay, if if a company is doing this, the thing they're trying to do is make their product more attractive to the the customer, the person who is buying that kind of thing, right? So if we if we come up with a hypothesis that we want to test, and we say right. um, this right. is you know who this is what we're trying to figure out, um, and we make that assumption, we prove that assumption right or wrong or whatever. The ultimate goal of that is I want a product that people truly care about, that they truly yeah. want. Yeah. yeah. The thing that I tell people is that my job when I go to do research anywhere is that my job is to help build a product that makes people's lives better and their jobs easier. 
Well, that's well. Sum that up yeah. real nicely, then, it's, didn't you? That's 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 that simple. That's a that's a good way to go. Excuse me. When I yeah, when I do an interview with somebody, that's one of the first things that I say is that I just say, "Hey, my name is Kyle. I work at a company called EAG, Advertising and Marketing, and I'm here to listen to what you have to say and then help the team at X client mm-hmm. build something that makes your life better and your job easier." Man, that's that's as much as it's everything you could ever hope for. I yeah. think we get that. Um, let's see if, when, when you talk about your, your career and what you do and, and all of that kind of, of, uh, thing to somebody at a, a party or, or you're out doing that, you're, you're talking about what you do, um, meeting somebody for the first time. Is there a project you use as an example of like, yeah, here's the kind of cool stuff I get to do. Yeah. Um, my favorite project I would say in my entire career has been a project I worked on for H&R Block mm-hmm. that was related to, uh, during COVID when they had the transition to everyone having to do their taxes remotely, mm-hmm. naturally they were thrown like everybody else. Um, so they invented and created a lot of innovation and, and drove a lot of, um, traffic, you know, to kind of switch the way that taxes were, were getting done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my favorite project that I've ever worked on is actually just like literally sitting and watching people in retail tax offices. I know it sounds oh, exceptionally yeah. boring, <laughs> but but just watching them complete their taxes, watching mm-hmm. them complete other people's taxes, going like setting up scenarios with them where I would sit down and take the point of view of the person getting their taxes done mm-hmm. with fake information and sit there recording a screen, setting up a couple of GoPros so I could, you know, do like a full ergonomic analysis oh, wow. of the space and how long people were lingering and where their hands were placed mm. and all of these things. Um, details, just d- details. Uh, my favorite projects are ones in which no one ever says like, oh, that detail is too small. My favorite project is the ones where someone says, go get every detail you can. Wow. Yeah. Truths in the details. Yeah. And uh, watching people listening to them, experiencing their kind of like audiological reality. Have you ever gotten your taxes done in H&R Block office? Yes. With 10 people sitting around you and you can hear the person next to you. You can mm-hmm. hear the person, like you can hear everything. You can hear a person screaming because it costs too much money. The door ding, ding, ding. Like all of those things, like you don't, you don't even think about them, but when you start documenting them. It's part of the experience. Yeah. It and is. it's part of, and which, which reflects on the brand mm-hmm. and reflects mm-hmm. on whether or not they come back next year. Yeah. yeah. And, and honestly, like, I mean, I, I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm like even allowed to say this or whatever, but like I saw some news article recently about how H and R block recently, uh, put in a sensory room for oh. its employees, mm-hmm. quiet room, uh, where people could go and kind of decompress. Um, and that's just a, it's a, it's an accessibility accommodation, mm-hmm. but what's good for someone who needs an accommodation is good for everyone, mm-hmm. right? That's universal design. I'm sure you guys have talked about that. Right, and, right. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, that, that's something that happened recently. And that was weirdly, that was one of the things I recommended to them in, in terms of going through and watching people do their taxes wow. is that there should be like a way to do it silently mm-hmm. or like a way to say, hey, look, like all these audiological things bother me. So I need, you know, a different, different kind of quiet customer experience, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know. I just, again, one of the things about my research that um, I think is, I don't want to like ramble too much, but one of the things about my research I think is interesting is that I often don't know the outcome. Like I will often, like a lot of the stuff we've talked about, like participatory design, Mm -hmm. heuristic evaluations, they're so early on, like the manifestos and the planning and Mm -hmm. those types of things. It's like I set people off to, you know, 
go on their journey. And yeah, ideally, yeah. I've set a good course for them mm-hmm. or I've helped them chart a good course. Uh, but then after that, they make decisions. And the reality of user experience design starts to kind of seep through organizations. Excellent. And people start to say, okay, like, let's listen authentically to our customer. And the more you do that, it, it just, it's, it's a natural kind yeah. of yeah. bend towards, like, you're going to arc towards a better relationship with your customer, a more profitable relationship with your customer. Gotcha. You're going to design products and services that are exactly as they want. The closer you can listen and observe and, you know, H&R Block, the thing that was interesting was it was employees too. So it's oh, like, yeah. because I mean, think about that. It's like, it's just, yeah. it's a person's experience, but, but it's, but what's really being designed is a piece of software that an employee is using. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it, it, uh, service, uh, services marketing, you can't separate um, the, the creation and delivery of that product. Like yeah. it's, it is together in one thing. And so you, you have to account for, um, the, the interaction and, and the delivery of that. And if it's being run from an online, um, software piece, yeah, yeah you, you can't separate them. They have right. to be there together. And it's so physical because you have like the actual physical reality of a retail environment. Yeah. You Na- know? The nature of services marketing. And I think that stuff is awesome because it's like, I can look at somebody at H&R Block that's an executive that's making a ton of money. You know, they're doing good for themselves. Mm-hmm. But it's like you're re- you can sit in meetings all day long thinking about how you think it's going to go. Mm-hmm. But when your customer's mad and they're not getting enough money back and the person that has to deal with them is your is is definitionally your lowest paid worker yeah, at the front yeah. desk of a retail environment. Hearing what those people experience in their lives and really authentically trying to design something that, that, that makes their, like I said, makes their job easier. If I can look at that person and I can say, look, I'm here to listen to what you have to say. Mm-hmm. And then I promise you from the bottom of my heart, I'm about to go back into this room and I'm going to advocate for you until the end. Not for money. I mean, right, the right. money will come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. But, the, but advocacy for the user is the most important thing to me. I, I love that example. That is a yeah. very good example. Continue to use that yeah. as many times as you need to. Great. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about customer discovery where we're, mm-hmm. we're talking to people um, yeah. and, and getting there. What, what kinds of things? Because it's, it's focus groups. It's user interviews. It's, it's the, the getting the, the customer point of view. Tell me, tell me more about what's involved in that. Yeah, I mean that that kind of starts uh, with just uh, if if you want to 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 listen to people, you know, you kind of got to listen to what people say, mm-hmm. and then sometimes you do something different. You don't do what they say. So these are not these are right. not so simple as like get a bunch of people get a bunch of customers in a room, mm-hmm. have us tell them what they want. That is an unnatural sort of exercise. You don't sure. want to necessarily, uh, you know, you don't want your customer telling you what to do all the time. Yeah. The, the more artificial of an environment you make it, the more that impacts the results. Yeah. Is that, that kind of what we're saying? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's like an oft quoted thing and I'm, I'm honestly, I feel bad that I don't know who it is that initially said this, but it's, you know, that if you would have, if Henry Ford would have asked customers what they wanted, they would have, the customers would have told him build faster horses. Right. Exactly. So exactly. The, so the idea is, yeah, you want to listen to your customer, but you also want to observe them. You want to be able to m- make decisions mm-hmm. about what's best for them by empathizing deeply with them mm-hmm. and then trying to design products and services that will meet them where they're at. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's the kind of the core of core of marketing and advertising and all of that is that you're trying to meet a person right where they're at and, mm-hmm. and influence them to become a customer or adopt a brand or something like that. And uh, yeah, that's the, the whole thing. The whole, the whole thing about um, why we do customer discovery is that uh, we kind of just start with the question, 
with a new client is what do you know about your customers? Mm-hmm. And sometimes what we think we know is not true. And sometimes what we definitely know that we know isn't helpful. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, I, 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 I believe that strongly that yeah. it's, it is, it is, um, there are a lot of times where we run into business owners and, and we're talking to business owners about their marketing and their strategic direction and, and where they want to go. And they say, well, my customers do blank and you go, eh, should we challenge you on that? Like, right. is, is there more we can know about that? How, how do we know that? And, and is it, is it valid as, right. as something that we're basing a lot of investment on. I right. mean, you're putting all of that marketing power into um, whether or not someone has has accurately defined what it is that they want. Right, um, and it may and they may well be right. Right, but sure. But if you think about yourself as a human being, you don't want one thing. People are multifaceted; they want different things. Right, um, and and nobody wants the exact same experience all the time. Sure. Uh, and and people are complicated, and mm-hmm. the reasons that we think people make decisions are often not the reasons that they make decisions. Yes, yes, and and that's that's the heart of what I do is try to figure out, get to the core, the real honesty of like where a person can't hide anymore. I mean, you asked me before like what my job is, and mm-hmm. the joke that I always tell is that my daughter says my job is listening to people and then selling their secrets to other people. Oh, that's, that's what my daughter says. She's my, really in, insightful. That is, yeah. you've, you've, you've developed a very insightful child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she thinks that my job is basically talking to people, and she understands that 100% of my job is meeting people exactly where they're at and understanding that while I might be an expert in a process, mm-hmm. I'm not an expert in any industry. I am not an expert in any client's business. Mm-hmm. I'm only an expert in a process that hopefully reveals a certain truth to them that ends up being profitable. Yeah. And, and if that, if that truth is actionable, if we can take data from, from what we've undercovered and uh, make that work for us by, by changing something, that's what we're after. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, my, the Henry Ford quote that I remember is the, uh, uh, I, I, you can have the, the model T in any color you want, as long as it's black. Yeah. Like that, that was, <laughs> there was, there was no choice. There's no choice in that. Yeah. Uh, well, let, let's get into the uh, solution manifesto thing. Cause this is, this is a, a, a process that you undergo um, to get there. Tell us, tell us what that is. Yeah. So the, I believe that you should think and plan before you do. And mm-hmm. oftentimes I've seen all these different projects, you know, across the, the work that I've done with different clients and everybody's ready to go. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times by the time they've hired a third party or somebody else, that's it's on it's on fire already, mm-hmm. and I've just seen a lot of people make a lot of decisions that weren't advisable for the sake of expediency, and for the sake of just kicking a can down the road. Mm-hmm. The idea of a solution manifesto arises from the idea of uh, basically an agile work plan. The idea that if before you construct a piece of software, you best have yourself uh, some very good Word documents Mm -hmm. that indicate exactly what that piece of software is going to do, exactly what it's going to look like, exactly what has to be built, exactly what the technical requirements are, uh, so that you basically get all the the possible, you know, uh, explosions or all these things that could go wrong, landmines kind of along the way. Uh, the idea is to kind of plan those out in advance because I think that you can do a lot more planning in four to six weeks on a project than you can do replanning a project while it's happening. Oh, true, true, for sure. Yeah. That's it's the uh, you know the the more work you put into it in, in preparation, um, the more that you're sure that when you get done with it, 
Right. It met the need. Yeah. It, it meets the expectation. We don't. Um, <clears throat> we don't. I, I, my wife is a is a, <laughs> a full stack uh, software engineer, mm-hmm. so I spend a lot of time in my house thinking about like what does my wife need like to do her job. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, and that's where a lot of this arrives from too. Is that I think about and value the time of a person who's technically creating software, a software mm-hmm. developer. They don't have time to like get to bounce back to creative and go, oh, well, I'm going to double my time on everything right. and then pass that along to the client, right? Yeah. So I just deeply, deeply believe in this idea of like planning everything up front and then the execution is, uh, it's not simple. No, no. But at but least it's the, it's the kind of thing where you're like, you don't do redundant work. That's, that's a good, and, and have a need later to change direction and, right. and add, and add budget. And, right. Yeah. And ask the questions up front. Ask people, are you sure? Can we validate this? Do we need to go? And when you start to do that, you start to find that sometimes you don't have alignment within organizations. And if an organization is not internally aligned mm-hmm. on the thing they're about to build, it's going to cause problems later. I don't know, Kyle. All this seems very reasonable to me. <laughs> I know. I know. Just to ask this, questions first. <laughs> ask questions first. Have it all planned out so that you don't start down a production route or something yeah, and need yeah. more information or it doesn't match what your problem was. Yeah, or yeah. Uh, yeah, all of that. It really makes a whole lot of sense. All right. The, the one of the last kind of structure areas we'll talk about is kind of participatory design, um, right. human centered design services for when you're ready to build something new. Tell tell me about that. Yeah, um, there is um, a lot of thinking that goes into designing any digital product, service, software, website, uh, whatever it might be. Um, the thing that I always try to tell people is that, uh, shockingly to start with, if you think about most people who are user experience designers, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they're, they're good. They have like an eye, they know what they're doing. Uh, but you don't want them to be just telling you what to do. Right. Right. Uh, I believe that they're like in every organization, the knowledge to do whatever that organization needs to do is locked within the people that work there, mm-hmm. but they've worked there too long. They're burned out close to it. They've already been yeah. told the project wasn't going to work. They've already gotten shut down enough times. They've already seen enough turnover on their team. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a variety of reasons, or maybe they're on the side of they, they were the one that their idea was what the, the business advanced, you know, and right. maybe it failed and, you know, maybe they're just, re, 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 you know, uh, hesitant to do it again. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're reticent. Um, so uh, one of the things I care about, about about participatory design is that I want to get people, you know, get their hands dirty. I want them to start designing. I want them to literally draw what their website will look like, even if it's bad. Mm-hmm. I want them to be involved in up-down votes. I want them to be engaged with their peers to, to, to uncover misalignments mm-hmm. very early as opposed to later. You can't you can't solve a misalignment later if there's two parts of a business that aren't aligned mm-hmm. on what the product's going to do. Uh, but you can solve the problem. You can solve the problem early. You can it, solve the problem early and and at a much lower cost than mm-hmm. if you tried to do all of that later on. Yeah, sure. And yeah. it's shocking that if you just take. I mean, this is just like a very simple example, but it's like if you take three or four people on a marketing team somewhere and they're trying to get us to design a website for them, and you say, okay, well, here's some sharpies or here's like a digital tool. Let's mm-hmm. start kind of piecing it together and to see what you think. And people at first are always like, oh, I can't draw. And it's like, yeah, but you can draw stick figures. You can draw a storyboard. Mm -hmm. You can fill in six, you know, you can fill in five or six pieces of a storyboard Mm -hmm. and talk about a customer journey. You can tell me things that I would never know and never be able to understand by posting a couple of sticky notes, doing it in a low risk 
don't be afraid to be wrong kind of situation. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And I'm just the, in the participatory design, I'm the person always up front that's like, I don't know anything, so I'm just going to be wrong first. Mm-hmm. So I try to like be the first person to, I just, I'm rushing towards something that, that our audience can react to. So the quickest I can make a prototype, the better, mm-hmm. the better I can give them something to look at, to use. To react to. Even yeah. if it's fake, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's in no way real. Uh, the faster I can do that, the more authentic kind of outcomes I think yeah. I get. I, I, I like I like the the very concept of that where um you know we've we invest in our employees, we hire the right people and and we get in there, but you know, the day-to-day grind of any business is uh it takes a toll and you, you know, went down a path um at one point and it failed for whatever reason and you you know, products fail. And, and services fail for a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with whether or not it was a good product or good concept. Right. So, you know, under, understanding how do we how do we unlock all of that potential, all of that knowledge, all of the the, the resources within an organization um, so that we get out of our own way and yeah. can keep moving forward? At minimum to document, one thing that I, I mention to people all the time is just that at, at least we're documenting it. Mm-hmm. Even if no decision gets made, even if it doesn't create like an inflection or a pivot – it's something that a year later or six months later, somebody can go back and they can go, look, I understand why these design decisions were made. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. I've seen so many times some like a new designer shows up to a team and they say, oh, we're going to change this and this and this and this. And they have little history about all of the thought that went into like what what exact the problem was getting was, was we're trying to solve, you know, with like this other workflow or this other specific design, you know? Yeah. And uh, I just I, I, I think very deeply about documenting things. That's it's just it's just one of the it's one of the brain drain uh, kind of aspects that comes from just owning a business. You have turnover and you lose you you lose yeah. institutional memory. Mm-hmm. We we have we have so much of that knowledge that we could tap into if we can only harness the power for good. <laughs> you know, at the, at the end of the day, the the thing we want to help clients understand is what their customers want, and if we do that, they make more sales, they have better conversion rates, people like them. Uh, the the world is a better place. The sun shines, and and <laughs> products fly off the shelf. Um, it's it's we're happy to have you here uh we're happy to to have the the kind of um extra horsepower and and really expand the capabilities of of what eag can do so welcome thank welcome you. thank you thank you um i let's we don't usually always do this with with employees but oh, no. you know this is different so we might as well go into the lightning round Uh-oh. let's let's do the lightning round <laughs> okay uh rules of the lightning round there there are no rules uh um, you Shorter answers, soundbite answers. We can dive into them if we need to, but okay. uh, let's let we'll just rapid fire and see. Um, you don't know what any of these are, so we we I don't. You just you will just react the way you do. <clears throat> and if you swear a lot, we will earn an explicit rating. So I won't. I won't. I promise. That's very kind. Um, what's what's the best advice you've ever gotten? I'll, uh, rapid fire. Uh, yeah. The uh, people that lack self discipline punish other people. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. That's ooh okay. I'm People not e- that lack the ability to discipline themselves mm-hmm. end up engaging, p- behaving punitively towards other people. That's a that's a fascinating insight as well. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we we did a new business or new new employee welcome lunch kind of thing, and uh, all everybody asks all kinds of questions, and we've we've learned a lot about you so far. That's a these are some deep insights could, that could we can go with. Okay. Um, I I I, uh, I noticed that you're you wear a helmet and wear a high vis jacket to work. Um, mm-hmm. To be fair, I think it's because you're you're riding some kind of device. Yeah, I ride uh, a scooter to work. You ride a scooter to work. Tell me. 
Why? Why? <clears throat> why did that start? What was the? What's the the thing? Uh, we don't have enough parking spots here, and I don't like being. Un- I don't like things being unpredictable. So. Um, I've always had like on my, like, I don't believe that most people keep a bucket list, but they say like, oh, a bucket oh that's on my bucket Here's list. Here's yeah. my bucket list. Well, okay. Show me your bucket list. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't really have it because most people don't really live their life around a list. It's like a th- list of things they want to do. Perhaps we should. And I'm considering starting this by the way. Okay. Is that right. I have one to do list in my life and it's the bucket list. And if work projects aren't on that list, then we, yeah. need, to, we need to talk about if they're actually that valuable. Gotcha. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, anyway. Long and short is on my bucket list. It's been I've I've always just wanted to be able to commute without a car. Nice. Okay. And I've never had okay. a job. I've never had a job before where, like, it made sense for me to commute. And for the last couple of years, I've been working remote or working from home. So, uh, it's just something I'm excited about. Decided and and scooter over bike. Scooter, scooter over, over bike, just because you know a lot of leg movement. I'm not trying to be sweaty when I show up. I tested it out a couple of times the first week before the yeah. week before I started, and um, I just I was too sweaty on the bike. I just didn't summer and everything it's just it's right. it's relaxing just to be on the scooter and just kind of going 20 miles an hour chilling just zip along nice. yes yeah. all right okay and and the reason why is is an interesting i just like yeah that. i wanted i always wanted like i just i think it's important to me like i don't i just don't i don't care about having a car i don't care i don't i don't if i could live someplace where i didn't have to have a car i, mm-hmm. I would i i think that's the the a lot of a lot of the youths these days, as they get their license um, later and later after yeah. after age sixteen, um, I think they feel the same way that like if I didn't ever have to own a car, I'd be just fine. Uber everywhere, um, yeah. rent a car, have have a self driving car, come pick me up. Right, all right. of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you are superhuman at Papa Shot. Oh um, yeah, that's true. What's the high score? <laughs> do you do you know what the ultimate high score that you've ever gotten is on a uh, pop shot? No, because it depends on the machine. Obviously, okay. uh, some machines are different. There's a machine at um, there's a machine at main event where like you know up and up up north uh, where you know you can it's not unheard of to have two hundred and sixty or three hundred points on the machine. But in a mm-hmm. classic pop shot, you know one point. Per shot, per, per two points if for the last, you know, 10, 10 to 15 seconds or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm like easily over 100, like every time I touch that basket. So, oh, man. it's like guy. I don't even. <laughs> I don't even. This guy. He's... I'm, yeah, I'm just, it's like a thing. My parents bought me a pop shot when I was a kid and it was in the mm-hmm. garage and it was just like all I did for, from age like eight to like 12. Ow. Yes. <laughs> so the muscle memory never goes away. Uh-huh, and then uh-huh. it's like, uh, it just checks a lot of boxes for me for an activity because I can take my kid to the arcade mm-hmm. and I can play Papa Shot while she plays all the other games. Man, that's a good. St- if uh, if anybody listening who wants to, to come in and, and throw down a challenge, we are open to that. Yeah. Let's let's just say <clears throat> we're open to that. Yeah, and I have a pop shot at my house that's also for sale if anybody would like to. It just doesn't fit. It's too big. Good shout out. Good shout out. Um, on next next question. Okay, sorry, we're we're in quick fire. That's right? good. I apologize. Oh, yeah, no, no, that's that's spectacular. Uh, on your official EAG bio, mm. you say, and almost proudly here, so I'm quoting, yeah, yeah. I've never seen Star Wars, Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, or Indiana Jones. Probably never will. That's the quote. Now, yeah. what is it What is it about American culture that you hate? Sorry, sorry, that was, that's probably not the right way to phrase that. Yeah. Um, why, why don't you like having fun? No, hold on. It, uh, it's, yeah. it, it seems like a person who deserves human behavior would, would like to understand what humans find enjoyable. Why, why don't you find that enjoyable? I don't, however you'd like to define this question that I'm throwing at you, what gives with, with that? Why, why no? I have a really short attention span, so anything that's like if you're talking to me like 
over an hour, I'm looking at my watch on a movie. I don't care how good the movie is. Oh, wow. So then when it comes to sagas, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's, it's an investment it, it's of time that you investment. look at. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's like, at this point, I just think it's almost funny because people get mad. Yeah. People are like, you have to see star Wars. And I'm like, bro, I don't care. I, I'll figure it out. Like I, I read the Wikipedia. I generally get it. The movies seem like they're hard to watch at this point. Cause the graphics seem to be kind of bad anyway. I don't know. Am I hurting your soul? You're my my it heart looks like is I'm, crushing. You look like you look like Millhouse in The Simpsons. Like I could watch your heart, your heart just when Lisa's like, "I don't love you." It's it's like it was like that. It's um, it's it's close to that. It's no, close I just I know I get it that it's cool and mm-hmm. maybe one day, but maybe one day eventually at some point you'll yeah maybe. But I I understand why you say that. Have you watched the first episode of Game of Thrones? Uh, yeah. There's some oh, yeah. horrific stuff in there that I was like, is this all it is? Like, is it more like this stuff? Cause I didn't, there was, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. There was, there was the, the joke that, uh, happened at the time, uh, of Game of Thrones that was why, why doesn't, uh, George RR R. Martin, um, use Twitter at all? Uh, and it's because, well, he's already killed 144 characters and it's like episode yeah. one. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. The, the whole joke. No, there. but I do like TV shows and stuff. Like I like the wire, you know, I mm. like the West wing. I like, I like some like, like traditional greats of classics of TV, but I just, I don't mess with those, those big movies. I I can understand that if you, if one were not into the star Wars saga or Marvel universe or whatever, that you would look at all of the volume of work that, that is there in the catalog and go, I don't know. Am I ready for this? That's a lot. That is, that is a lot to take off. I don't want to like self-disclose too much, but this is, you know, this is a a thing with me is that self-disclosure is not an issue. But when I was a kid, like I just never, like my parents were never like, Hey, watch star Wars. Mm -hmm. You know, like my dad was never like, Oh, let's watch like these sci-fi movies. My dad was like, you're seven years old. Would you like to watch predator? Fine. So basically at my house, we just watched whatever we could rent from blockbuster that Mm -hmm. night. Mm -hmm. And if something was on there that I wasn't supposed to see, my parents would be like, turn your head. Don't look at this. And that was literally my childhood was what, I mean, so it's like, in some ways I look back at it, I'm like, I would never parent my kid that way. Right. But, um, that was the reality. And it was like, I wasn't some kid that was like obsessed with star Wars because I just watched the most violent movie you could think of <laughs> immediately. Like there was no, we didn't need a bridge to like, uh, okay. you know what I mean? Like yeah. I just, I just, yeah. I just, I took cinema and movies like very seriously as a kid. So this is not to say that I don't take these things seriously. Right. Or that you don't watch or I don't movies. like watch anything yeah. Yeah. or like anything. Uh, yeah, I just like, yeah, just like those were never on the, and I think a lot of those, like Star Wars in particular comes from like a, being a kid, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people have like childhood memories. Oh yeah. And no, my childhood sure. memory was like, like literally, are we about to watch Rambo or something? Wow. You know? so yeah. it's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's fascinating what happens in human development I and know, how right? that affects us yeah. later on. Uh, next lightning round question. And, and uh, we can make this, we can make this the last one. Tell me uh, like you've just accomplished some major goal. You've, you've done something you've, you've won, whatever that is yeah. you're, you're celebrating. How do you celebrate mm. that big win? Buy a meal for people that I love. That's, you know, and celebrate with them. I yeah. Assume. Celebrate just, with them and the, hang out. Um, you know, that's like the, my favorite thing in the world to do is go out to eat with people and just sit and enjoy com- people's company and break bread with them and talk to them and not worry about like my favorite thing would be if I got to sit down in a restaurant with you, your favorite restaurant mm-hmm. and you ordered everything and you told me what we were going to eat and mm-hmm. sat there and talked and you paid of course. Well, obviously. Yeah. Right? yeah. But uh, yeah, but I like taking the route of like paying ordering, you know, letting people just sit and enjoy other people's, you know, c- company. 
Yeah. And that, that's like my, it's my favorite thing to do. It's what I would do if I was celebrating. It's what I would do if I was hanging out. It's what I would do if I didn't have to have a job. We, we are, well, we are going to, I'll use that as a, as a just way too uh, easy transition into saying, man, we are happy to have you here and celebrating with you and, and breaking bread with you now. Um, Kyle Dennis, director of research and development at EAG now, uh, formerly use agility. Now that we've acquired use agility. Thanks so much for being with us on the podcast today. Glad to be here. Thank you. That is our show. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Miracles podcast. Remember to subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and review, drop us a line on the website at eagadv.com if you have any thoughts. Until then, we'll be out here helping entrepreneurs with another Small Business Miracle.